0: Welcome to Growing Leonardsley. My name's Adam Streeter. I'm the General Manager of Leonardsley Gardens. Join me each episode as I talk with members of the team about everything from the history of the gardens, restoration challenges, wine, wallabies, and everything in between. Get a peek behind the scenes, hear stories from all those involved, both past and present, whilst we also talk about what the future holds for the estate. It's never a dull day when you're growing Leonardsley. Hello, welcome to Growing Leonard's Lee. My name's Adam Streeter, I'm the general manager. I'm joined today by Jamie Harris, who's our head gardener, John Delport, who's the head chef of Restaurant Interlude, and Penny Streeter OBE, who is our owner. How's everyone doing today?
1: Good, thank you. Yeah, good, thank you.
0: So I guess, uh, you know, when everyone thinks about Leonard's Lee, the, 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 the time of year that they all think about is spring. We're known as, you know, the finest woodland gardens in the world. In the, Sorry. So <laughs> in the universe. Um, <laughs> we're known as the finest woodland gardens in the UK. Um, and actually I think when I first started to learn about Lenins Lee, I was sort of under the impression that, you know, spring was the 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 moment in in the year where you know that was that topped everything. But actually I quickly learned that, you know, throughout the year. Um, the gardens are equally as amazing. Autumn, you know, I would say is, is equally just as fantastic. But today we're going to focus on spring because that is when everyone flocks to come and see uh, Lennersley in all of its glory. Um, so, Jamie, I mean, perfect for you. You are kind of you started as we were getting ready, getting ramped up to get into spring um, how did you find it? I mean, I think we, it was a little bit of a sl- slow starting this year, but how have you found things?
1: Yeah, I guess it had to hit the ground running, I suppose. Um, yeah, started late January. Um, yeah, you're right, Lendersley is kind of known generally as a, as predominantly a spring garden, I guess. That's the sort of feature season. But, I mean, no, that's one of the things that's so special about it. Not many gardens have got any spring interest. So to have a, a, such a huge explosion and display during, you know... It's quite an important season. We're coming out of winter. Everyone's you know, mood needs lifting, and yeah, spring here was late, but it was it was fantastic.
0: It must have been so much tougher for you as well, because um, you know you you had to learn 240 acres of gardens as well. I mean, I, first time I went into the gardens, I probably got lost. I mean, there were no paths at the time, but <laughs> um, at least you had a map. But it must have been really daunting to try and you know think, okay, well, I'm taking on now. Uh, I'm going to be in charge. I'm responsible for these fantastic gardens. Um, no pressure, J. Yeah, thanks for reminding me. <laughs> but um, yeah, it must have been you know, quite a lot to take on.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, I still kind of pinch myself sometimes. Actually, when you you know you spend a lot of your time in some of the key areas, but as you start to go out to the far side of the garden and the far end of the deer park, you you realize what what scope and scale is here. Um, but yeah, I mean, I spent a few, I guess, weeks of acclimatizing. And I'm probably it'll get lost occasionally now or come across a bit of a path which I've not seen for a while. And But, you know, that's part of the joy of Lenity, I think it really rewards exploration and you kind of stumble upon things and, you know, later hidden gems and r- views are revealed as you come around a corner and you stumble upon a plant that, you know, you haven't seen before. And yeah, it's it's a real exploration garden, definitely.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, what would you say has sort of been your your favourite moment throughout spring in terms of, you know, thing, something that you you stumbled across or came across in the gardens, that was really something that, you know, you've really took your breath away. It was a bit of a wow moment.
1: I think it's probably that view from the Dell. I mean, all the garden team here kept saying, oh, yeah, the best bit is the Dell. You wait, you wait. And I've seen some pictures, but when you see it for the first time, you stand on, on the path and behind you, you've got all the gunnera and the primulas and you look down through the valley full of luteum and azaleas. You can see the lakes in the distance. I mean, it's... you. So many people are stopping there, taking photos, and you can see why it's, yeah. it's a real showstopper.
0: It is. It's amazing. I actually, um, I remember that part of the gardens when we first took over. Um, it was actually wasn't accessible really at all for. It feels like around six months to be honest, and actually now that's probably my favourite area of the gardens. Mm. But you know, before that, you would get down to the lakes and you'd walk around the lakes, but actually you didn't really discover rest of the gardens until much later on so yeah i mean back then when we took over it really was uh, um, all about discovery
1: i can't i mean i've seen the pictures of what it was like but i mean it still seems unreal because it seems like it's always been there now but i look at the pictures and it was yeah like you say a, a jungle
0: i know I, I always see people sort of wandering around and they're you know walking on these lovely paths yeah. i mean we've put down miles and miles and miles of paths and you know now to make it as accessible as possible for everyone and um uh, I think I think even now I, I take it for granted and I'm sure, you know, a lot of our guests don't really even realise what was there, you know, a few years ago, or even when Lenniesley was previously open mm. under the Loader family, um, you know, it wasn't as accessible as it is now. So um yeah, even even those small things have really, really made a huge difference, I think.
1: Yeah, I mean I bumped into a visitor the other day who used to come as as a little girl during the Loader family sort of era. And uh, she said to me she didn't want to come back because she was worried that it would still be... when she'd heard it was overgrown and been <laughs> neglected and she was worried it wouldn't live up to expectation, expectations. But she was so glad she did because it's just as she imagined. Uh, remembers it.
0: Yeah, no, people are very passionate. I had a, I had a lady in our first month of opening... I remember her, Doris, and uh, she... That's my dog's (laughs) name. Well, she got me in the cafe, and I don't know, I I hate it when people point me out and don't warn me that someone's coming to find me. And um, she came and she had a whole album of pictures, and she took me into the rock garden to show me that it was too overgrown, and the view had been ruined, and I needed to sort it out straight away. So I was sort of standing there taking pictures of her pictures... And trying to assure her that, don't worry, I'll get it back to how it used to be. Not even knowing if that was actually true. But uh, I, think, I think we've got there now. But, yeah, the, the passion really comes through and the memories that people have got of Len Italy. Mm. Um, yeah, they're, they're very strong very passionate.
1: I mean, we've discovered quite a few pictures. I mean, uh, Horsham Museum sent us some archive pictures, yeah. didn't they? And um, a local lady found a load of old postcards. And so, yeah, we're still discovering yeah. old, new, new pictures of old views sort of thing. So, yeah, it's great.
0: That's great.
1: Um, That was one of the big things that I sort of remember is that, you know, one of the most difficult things with the garden was that uh, there literally was no handover from anyone. There wasn't an archive of pictures. There wasn't, you know, lists of all the plants. They weren't all nicely named. We actually didn't know at that time what was a weed and what was a, you know, really rare plant. So, you know, it's been incredible, the outpouring of... um, you know, from the people in the West Sussex area who actually have gone, dug into photo albums, sent us brochures, done all sorts of things. And without that, it would have been actually quite impossible to piece it together.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I, um, I mean, one of the most amazing things for me was one of the, the, the old um, gardeners, so one of the old gardening team uh, from, it must have been just before they closed. And, you know, he he approached me uh, a few months after we took over, and he had, um, you know, these old records of some handwritten, some printed—of you know, plant identi- identities of plants and the areas in the garden that they were. And he had taken that, whether he should have or not—I don't, I don't really know—but he obviously. I'm so glad he did. Yeah, yeah. But he, he obviously had a bad feeling about what was happening um, when they were taken over in 2010, and obviously, as we know now, the, the gardens closed and. You know, I think everyone thought at that point that was the last anyone was ever going to see of them, um, and maybe I'm not sure why. Maybe he had a good feeling about us, and you know, he came out and, t- and he handed that over to mm. us, and it's it's amazing things like that, and that just shows the passion again of of people and how much it really means to them.
1: I mean, I, I turned up expecting there to be a whole kind of room <laughs> full of just archives and photos and plant lists, yeah. and but you know, yeah, not not very much at all.
0: No, it was, it was um, yeah a hard place to start from. Um, okay, so b- back to spring. So I don't know um, in terms of this year. Uh, obviously, you haven't necessarily got the experience of, of previous years at Lennersley. I mean, I think myself, I found it to to be different every single year so mm. far. I mean, it's really it, it amazes me. It, you know, people always ask me, um, you know, when does this area going to come into bloom? When's that? But actually, I could never give a, a, a good answer because it actually the garden does what it wants to do when it wants to do it.
1: Absolutely. Every every year is different, and that, that is part of the beauty of gardening and visiting gardens. I mean, you yeah, know, it's what's the coldest April on record or most number of frosts in an yeah. April month, apparently, and um, that delayed a lot of things. So the bluebells, they were incredibly uh, late, and we were sort of worried whether we'd done something, <laughs> and they weren't actually going to flower at all, but they did. Um, yeah, the rhododendrons and the azaleas were late, but it gave us that extra push into into June. They're still flowering now, which um, yeah. some of them might not have been in, in a, a, you know, a normal um, spring. And then we had the high winds, so we were shut for a day because of <laughs> high winds, and so that took us some of the blooms off, and then we had the heavy rains washing paths away. So it's yeah. been a kind of baptism of fire, really.
0: No, absolutely. When you think that spring, you're you're thinking of this sort of serene, lovely yeah. place to be, and then all of a sudden Mother Nature decides Indeed. that she's got other plans. We'll um, say. we, also, we also, I mean, with the um, you mentioned bluebells and um, we we planted how many defi- uh, how many snowdrops was it over the last year or so? I think?
1: Well, we've planted thirty thousand since I've been here, which um, my predecessor uh, very kindly pre-ordered, <laughs> and I think it was a similar amount before then. Yeah. So, I mean, but it's, it's well over a hundred thousand in the last yeah. year, I think. Yeah. So, and and they. It's all by hand as well.
0: Yeah, that is uh, very true. I mean, the garden team really. They've spent some hours, yeah. and I think it's really going to pay off over the next few years. So, I mean, obviously, some were planted last year, and, you know, they, so they started to come through this year yep. and, you know, look great. And is it right that over over the years they kind of get more and more? Is that right?
1: Well, certainly with snow yeah, where you part a bowl and it comes up as a single flower, and it doesn't yeah. really give that effect, <laughs> but they'll gradually clump up, and yeah, it might take a few years, but eventually you'll, yeah, you'll get a carpet out of it, certainly.
0: Yeah. And, uh, Jean, in terms of... Um, yeah, I guess people might, might think from a, a restaurant point of view, well, from, maybe from a normal restaurant, the the, the weather or the, um, the time of year might not make too much difference. But I guess for you, when you're relying on foraging from the gardens, um, you know, the conditions can make a big difference, whether that be getting out there and, and finding it hard to stand out in the freezing cold or the pouring rain or or, or damaging things that you potentially wanted to forage. How, how did that go this year?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think spring's always the most exciting month for, or time of the year for us at the kitchen point of view, because we've come out of this hibernation period where nothing's been growing for three months, and we've kind of had to make use of our stocks that we've made the year before. Um, so I think, yeah, we're really looking forward to the spring, and we had a really good season with the birch. Um,
0: with, yeah, so t- tell us... like
2: a- record amounts that we did this year.
0: So, God, tell us a little bit. So, I mean, not, most people wouldn't really know about that i've i was i'm still amazed i still watch it every year and it looks fantastic so just tell us about that process and what you do
2: yeah so we just um between the, the early early months of spring uh, at the end of winter we go and collect um birch sap <laughs> from all of our, our pretty much our, our birch forests out in the gardens um we collect anywhere between i mean it's not for us it's a massive scale but i suppose in the big seeming things it might not be a lot but we we collect between a thousand and two and a half thousand litres of sap um, a year we reduce it down and make our own syrup how, how long yeah. will that last you that man uh, well we try and harvest enough that will last us for a whole year oh, wow. and then we'll be able to do do it again the following spring, so think, this year I think was you're our,
0: yourself a bit of a disservice because you say you go and collect it, but it's like not—it's not like you're popping down to the shop and picking up a couple of <laughs> cartons. So I mean, right. how, how do you actually so get that sap out?
2: It's—it's um, it's quite a—it's—it's a, it's very much a, a job of love, I guess. It's—but um, what we do is on a daily or twice a day we go and collect um, the sap from the trees. Um, so we've—we've we've pretty much um, drilled holes into our into a fair of the trees. We've um, put it in taps, what we call them, and then we drain them of their very early sap. Um, when it's still nice and sweet, um, we collect. I think on average this year we were collecting it 270 to 300 liters a day. That is amazing. Um, and obviously that's on the far side of the garden. So <laughs> yes. to try and get that back up to the house and to start the reduction process is, is a job in itself. Uh, and it's amazing yeah. that the, the birch tree recovers and can
1: give you the uh, yeah. same amount again next year. And
2: I've done a lot of reading again, and uh, um, obviously we al- we alternate our trees every year. Yeah. Um, and we try different areas for every every two years. Um, but I've read that you, know, you can actually you can keep your tap in and it won't harm the tree at all.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so we, yeah, we'll, we we working on about we've got such an abundance of trees we'll never be able to kind of tap all of them at once.
1: And it's been done for centuries, isn't it? It's mm. a really old practice. Yeah,
2: it's really and it's really fun. And I think it gives it's a completely different product. I mean, it's um, it's it's very if you think of maple syrup, um, it's obviously made in the exact same process. Mm. Um, but it's got a lot more of a savory flavor and savory effect. So it, we've, we've done loads with it. We put it with um, pork, we put it with scallops. And you can um, make wine, can't you? bake that yeah, wine? We tried some wine, um, we've put it with chocolates. Um, yeah, we've got, I mean, it's endless possibilities. So. Mm.
0: I hope these microphones um, are waterproof because I'm dripping. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but yeah, I think that was, I mean, for us, that's, that's like the sign that spring is here. And we had mm. a really good start of that season. And I thought, oh, this is going to be a really, really good spring. And then, yeah, um, we kind of had that massive frostbite. And then, the winds came. So, yeah, I think for me, it feels like we lost a little bit. Um, I don't know about your side, but like the magnolia trees, um, I was ca- I always count on the lower branches on some of the particular trees and they didn't even bud this year for me.
0: Yeah, that's,
1: that was a worry for a time. But um, touch wood, hopefully it's just a one-off. But I um, mean, yeah, I was amazed that you actually yeah, use magnolia flowers.
2: Yeah, that's
1: quite fun. Um We just, we, I mean, like we try and just get loads of different bits and,
2: and pieces and just try and preserve them as much as we can. So... Um, but yeah it's a learning process every year we try and take something we take this maybe the same product but we'll do different things with it so Mm -hmm. yeah I think this year we've um, we didn't get a lot of magnolia so we just kind of continued with the vinegar process so we made loads of magnolia vinegar again for for next year and we just kind of try and age it for a long period of time but yeah I think
1: there's certainly lots of bracken coming up if you want to harvest (laughs) some of that
2: (laughs) that's been a stable on on our spring menu as well every every year we use the Um, And again, that was so late coming up at one stage, Mm -hmm. we thought that, um, wow, we're not going to get much because what's interesting is from the young shoots, um, like really early on in summer, they're really young and tender and it's really nice to eat. Um, And now we're getting those shoots now, but it's intense heat, like with 27, 26 degrees. Mm. All of a sudden, those little baby shoots, they're still small and baby, but they've got the texture and the flavor of the really old shoots. Um, so that's why spring is so important for you, because you yeah, get that new, young, fresh yeah, new growth. New, young growth, yeah, which is so key, especially for like even like birch leaves and lime leaf trees and all this mm. kind of thing where, we can, where it's still fun and edible. Yeah. We've lost out on small things like that. But, um, yeah, we need to talk back about the, the Bluebell Bank at one stage it being so late. Mm. Um, I mean, for me, this was the first year that that Bluebell Bank didn't have that same effect.
1: Mm. It felt like it was quite sparse. I don't know how it felt for you. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's coming off uh, a different winter, I suppose. I mean, uh, there was a lot of leaf fall, which kind of perhaps stopped a lot of the the winter rainfall getting into the soil, but now we've cleared it, hopefully that, that, you know... That won't happen again. Yeah, fingers crossed.
0: I think it was just all a bit later as well. I mean, I think eventually everything everything came up, but I mean, we were all standing there, sort of wondering what's what's happening, what's happening. You know, God, this Jamie, this new head gardener, (laughs) he's ruined all the bluebells. He's broken the (laughs) bluebells. I don't know how he's managed to do that, but no, it was uh, (laughs) he hadn't, and they all popped up in the end. Um,
2: Saying that actually, like I walked, um, it was on Friday afternoon. I went down to the banks by the engine house, and that whole bank of there is now covered in daisies, yeah. And yeah. I've never seen that many daisies in one area in in our gardens, particularly. Um, yeah. and it's I don't know, it actually looked pretty incredible from from our point. And like that's on our menu at the moment, so I use it as uh, much as we really? can. really? Wow, but um, yeah, I mean, I've Pickle, we used pickled to daisies, <laughs> 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 no, we try and keep them nice and fresh, but um from our point of view like we had to previous years go and like properly look for them where this year we've just actually walked to one area and we just yeah there's just so much to
1: choose from and i guess it's yeah swings and roundabouts so one season which is not so good for one one plant is you know it's fantastic for another so yeah yeah, it's all
2: exactly yeah so it's been yeah i think that's always nice so every year we we're learning and we're trying new things and we find new stuff yeah but like things i get i find really interesting i don't always understand the science behind it but When it comes, it's like, well, we have to take advantage of this now. Absolutely, yeah. It's
0: actually something a little bit controversial in the gardening world, I guess, is um, a Japanese knotweed. So (gasps) that's seen as quite an invasive plant. Well, it is, and it's an invasive plant. And so, I mean, Jamie, tell us a little bit about that and what you have to do with it and why it's seen as such a bad thing.
1: I mean, yeah, it is is a designated invasive plant. Uh, Legally, we have to be seen to be managing it, and we just choose to manage it by... Cutting it and <laughs> giving it to John to use in the kitchens, but I mean, we we keep a kind of designated patch which yeah. which John can, can harvest from. Um, we don't want it to spread, but um, it, it apparently it makes a, a great jelly. Is it you make into a jelly? Oh, we've made so much. I mean, I I think
2: the first year I was here, we experimented on about eight different things that we wanted to try and do. But um, yeah, it's always been such a controversial thing. I know. Everyone I've looks always at you tried. like you're a
0: lunatic, and I then know. As I, you know we've had sort of new people start and then. I say, so yeah. The Japanese not we John uses that in the restaurant. They go, <gasps> what? They look at me like i have sort of just you know sworn at them. And I say, no, no, it's you know it's fine. Obviously, we we burn whatever we we don't use, and they just sort of they just think that we're I crazy. You know, like I brought this this madman from South Africa over, <laughs> and he's cooking these 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 strange plants. But it's amazing. I mean, I I you know I just I've learned John now to just sort of go, okay, it's fine. <laughs> I'll, I'll wait and see, and and. I'd say 99% of the time it's always got a, an amazing outcome and that was no different. I mean, yeah, I tried that and it was just, yeah, wow. Yeah.
2: I think some of the stories I hear from the guests of like the utter disbelief that we're trying to use this and the stories that they've told me of where it's grown through their, their foundations in their houses. It's just like, what? Well, it's like mm. really incredible. But, um, yeah, it's always one of those love-hate relationships. I'll fight for it all the time because I love to use it and sometimes we're a bit limited from what we can get
1: uh, at yeah, times of the yeah, year. Yeah, I mean, we made, we were very careful yeah. when we harvested it, so we, we wore shoes specifically to go into that area to yeah. harvest it, and when we cut the stems, we double-bagged them and securely delivered them to the kitchens. Yeah. And Yeah, I so know. we went through the proper processes, but, you know, rather than burning it, you know, yeah. we, we, we Try used it in, it in it the kitchens.
2: Yeah. yeah, no, it's an incredible... Um, Flavor and an incredible product for us to use. So when
1: I mean, it was introduced into the country originally as an ornamental plant, I mean, it does look nice I mean, when it does its thing. Yeah. But it's just incredibly um, and yeah, I remember spreading. the first,
2: the first when we were here for the first year or that first couple of months when we didn't really have anything going yet, and we yeah. walked up that bank and then yeah. we saw all of that knotweed. Yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. like, wow, it's actually quite pretty. <laughs> and everybody's like, you can't like this, I you know. can't do <laughs> this, you have to hate this plant. It's like, well, for coming from from South Africa, it was like nothing that I ever knew before. But yeah, we've had fun with it and I've yeah. enjoyed it. But yeah, we've learned to respect it now and um, Understand it a lot more, so I think it's yeah it is something that needs to be dealt with carefully and yeah. but it's still for us so I, I still having like to have it on the menu mm.
0: so I mean with spring so we've sort of spoken about a lot of what's growing in the garden. One thing that we haven't spoken about which happens every spring and actually one of the things that are strictly off the menu for Jean is um is the new life that comes into the gardens from um, the 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 wildlife so the the wallabies, the famous Leonardley wallabies. Um, you know that's that's always amazing I mean from now from when we first a couple of years ago to now you know there's so many baby joeys popping up and it's still just completely amazing you see these little these little creatures to start crawling out of their mother's pouches um is that like a little bit different for you Jamie did they have that where you were before
1: <laughs> certainly when I was yeah training to to be a gardener I never thought I'd be um <laughs> doing a bit of wallaby husbandry <laughs> and in fact one of the first things i had to do when i got here was do an, R- an rhs podcast on looking after wallabies <laughs> so that was a bit of spotting up involved there but the babies are great i mean um it looks so ungainly and gawky when they yeah, come out with like their huge feet that, and them. yeah i mean when people come here they want to see the rhododendrons and they want to see the wallabies i mean Absolutely. those are the two big hits at the moment
0: Yeah, take us there and let us see them so speaking of wildlife as well, of course, every year um, there's, there's certain things that come and go, and the, the Canada geese, um, you know, they 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 appear every year without fail, and it's always amazing to see them. You know, I actually think sometimes you feel like you see them arrive, and um, and then within a few weeks they've laid their eggs, and before you know it, you've got the goslings wandering around, and I think that's always a sign for me that. Um, you know, we're starting to get into the season now, and and starting to get into spring. Um, yeah, it's, it's really, really amazing. The um, the Goslings are kind of I, I don't know. I've, I've heard stories of, of of them sort of following. Dogs as well. Have you heard of that, Jamie?
1: Well, certainly, you see them so far away from the lakes. Like yeah. we, we drive around the back of the event field, and every morning the the, you know, the mum and dad has marshalled the whole family up to that field. There's obviously something in that grass which they love yeah. pecking at. But
0: that, 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 I've um, the the I'm not sure if it was the mum or the dad, but he, they looked terrifying. I was just walking along the path, and they were they were following the the little goslings, and I was just trying to you know go along my my own little walk and. She turned around and just started hissing to me. I never knew geese had such big tongues. It was absolutely horrific. Yeah, they're, <laughs> they're quite protective, aren't they? I got a good video of it, though, so... Mm. They are renowned as guard dogs, so they're oh, the exactly. You've also said that in South Africa, the ostriches are guard dogs, so they're, they're, they're our equivalent of ostriches, are they? <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather they're them very protective. Ostriches. Um And... <laughs> chickens, John? I mean, I know it's, it was a little bit challenging um, for not, not just the chickens, but also the peacocks that we've got on site because um, we had the, the bird flu pandemic, so not not only was it us that were having to socially distance, it was the chickens and, and the peacocks had to socially distance and wear up. No, they didn't wear a mask, but the, um, how, how did that, how was that was for you guys?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I, for us it was fine, but I felt sorry for for our flock. I mean, it's they, you can kind of see the decline of of how they were over the f- over the two months They'd, they're they not used to it our chickens are used to being outdoors every day in their paddocks rooting around and rustling around
0: so what was the difference what did they have
2: to so they had to be indoors they were stuck inside in a, in a smaller space for a period of time so um, I mean it ended up being also about three four months that they yeah. had to be inside um, so yeah I suppose they got they got to have a nice winter inside but <laughs> on the other hand they were they were also on top of each other for, for long periods of time. But, yeah, we've been able to release them, uh, what, uh, three months now? Yeah. And, um, yeah, they've really gone on now, and they're really enjoying the paddock. I think they're, they're appreciating what they used to have, so which is good. But, and um, and how, how, happy. Many,
0: how many chickens do we have?
2: So, at the moment, we have um, 48 hens. Uh, we have a mixture of, what, six to eight breeds at the moment. Um, and, yeah, they, we, we, they provide us with... Um, Specific eggs for um, specific dish on on our menu. So we focus on pasture red eggs. Um, so they're very happy frolicking frolicking in the grass um, all day, um, and they fed on a high corn diet. Um, and yeah, I think they're very much in the lap of luxury where they are at the moment.
0: Yeah, I must admit that was one of my perks when uh, when we were in lockdown, and you know the, the restaurant was closed, and obviously these chickens they don't stop, so the eggs t- keep coming out. And I, I mean, I must admit, obviously the the these chickens are certain. So, they, you know, they're like royalty. These chickens. So the the eggs that we get out of them are absolutely amazing. So you know that now I'm back to Sainsbury's eggs. It's really. <laughs> <laughs> we,
1: we found a peacock egg in the, the garden not too long ago. Oh really? Oh. Yeah, I, I took that home. Sorry, John. Um, and it's it's obviously a lot bigger, but it's really creamy as well. It's, oh really? It's amazing. Yeah. I've
0: I've never had a peacock so, egg. There we go. Yeah. Well, look, so Jamie, he, he knows that you would have cooked that. Yeah, yeah. So that was <laughs> <laughs> Can I?
2: Hear Mark the next one. Yeah, absolutely yeah.
0: later. <laughs> Um,
2: Please
0: leave it so we can have babies next time. Um, I mean, speaking of the the pandemic, I mean, obviously, I think from one of the toughest things for us and from a gardens perspective was that we had to close the restaurant, we had to close the afternoon teas um, at the end of the year, and that was for the third time, I think it was. So that was like the third lockdown. And, you know, really, you can't underestimate how hard that was on on everyone from your team. And, um, you know, it's now coming back and trying to get into the swing of things again. I mean, it's not just something that, um, you know, you can just click your fingers and make it happen again. But I think... um, you know, it's been amazing from the gardens' point of view to see so many people coming out and enjoying, you know, the open space, the fresh air, and I, I think you can't really take that for granted at all. I mean, uh, there was there was a I think it was a month and a half, two months when we closed last year, and. You know, you, there was people. People actually would come up to the car park, and because we'd have the gardens centre open, and they would just stand around there and just say, "You know, come on, can't you just let me in?" And and it was heartbreaking because you really couldn't. And all these, all they wanted to do was just get to their get to their gardens. And that's kind of how you know we're up to around ten thousand members now, and that's you know wow. no mean feat in a few years. And that's only simply because the gardens are so incredible. And. You know, it just brings people back from more and more. And so, you know, we have people that come here on a daily basis for...
1: Yeah, we uh, see the same people every yeah, day. Ab-
0: absolutely. And, um, yeah, so it means a lot. So when that's taken away, um, you know, it was hard, but... You know, now it's been uh, one good thing out of um, you know the lockdown So at least we were able to stay open.
1: And we're quite lucky that the garden is so big that we can accommodate those people. The previous garden I worked at it's so tight we had to install one-way systems in the yeah, garden gosh. and close gates off. But here, once you're through that first bit, I mean, you've got 240 acres to wander in.
0: So. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, it's if it comes down to it. I mean, like, I guess the only bit where it might get busy might be at the cafe if you wanted to get a coffee. But you know, it comes down to it, the choice is, you know to either not have. A coffee or, or or wait so i mean uh, and we're lucky to have that because you know otherwise we'd be having to do what national trust did and, mm. and do timed entries yeah, and yeah. things like that. and that was something that you know was determined we definitely didn't want to go down that route but obviously you know safety first but uh you know we've managed to, to get away with it so yeah it's been it's been great and now coming into spring and you know some of the restrictions when they were lifted um you know i think started to see more and pe- more people come and i th- i remember the first couple of weeks when you started jamie it was um i was sort of saying to you look it's not always going to be like this i promise it's uh, it definitely gets a lot busier Did oh it yeah busy?
1: it was a real it almost went from zero to 60 <laughs> overnight sort of thing but um yeah you could tell when the next round of restriction lifting came because yeah. suddenly we were busier i mean not yeah. like it, it was manageable but for example like we were doing garden tours booked tours every day and um yeah it was um Never felt unsafe in whatsoever, but um, yeah, it was just nice to see so many people out and about and enjoying the gardens.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was, was, uh, I think the the garden tours was nice to, uh, to see them happening. I mean, it's something that we've really wanted to start to, to push because there's so much interest there because, you know, people not only want to see the gardens, they also want to learn about them and know about their history. And, and you know, that's something that we would get a lot normally from the coaches that would come to visit us. Um, but again, due to COVID, I mean, we've lost out on hundreds and hundreds of coaches, which is from a business point of view is is terrible and it's heartbreaking when you've gone through all of this hard work. But, you know, it's good to see things start to to you know, get back to some sort of normality, and the tours for me were an indication of that. And I think now with the volunteers, we're starting to take more volunteer volunteers on, so that we can offer that on a on a day to day basis. So that when people just arrive, they could just you know off the cuff decide that they wanted to go and do a tour. And I think that will add another dimension to it because it's just that that information and and, and it's the enthusiasm that the team have for it as well. I mean, it, it amazes me; it never ceases to amaze me because you know there's there's a lot of Challenges a lot of hills to get around, and you can really feel tired at the end of the day. But everyone seems to come back, and every day with that kind of enthusiasm. So
1: it's, it's a good workout walking up that hill. <laughs> I tell you, every day. <laughs>
0: yeah, you do ten stone heavier when <laughs> <laughs> um, the The other the other area of the garden that um, actually we haven't spoken about at all, but is very new uh, to Lennersley, is the vineyard that we planted here. And that was also, you know, with the with spring. The, and the Frosts in particular, that was um, another challenge that uh, we had to battle with. And I think we'll have to get Barry Anderson on, who um, manages the vineyard. And he's also the managing director over at Manning's Heath Golf Club and Wine Estate. Uh, and he's the real, you know, he, he knows, he's the one that knows everything about the, the wine and the vineyards. And um, he also lives, lives on site here at Leonardsley And, um, you know, we had the, the heaters out in the vineyard, that when it got to a, the temperature got too low, the siren would go off at three <laughs> o'clock in the morning, and I've just got this image of Barry sprinting out there to light the light the heaters. And, and to his dressing get, gown. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm sure it was a sight, but um, yeah, th- those sort of challenges are the things that you know people leave here at five o'clock mm. and they come back the next day and they'd never know that Barry was out there in his underwear <laughs> lighting the, <laughs> lighting the heaters. So. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, uh, that's definitely something that the the vineyard and the wine and what we're planning there is uh, is something for a, another day absolutely because that's something that we're getting asked about all the time.
1: Are we still on course for that date for the first bottle?
0: I hope so, but i'm going we can put Barry under pressure yeah. and make sure give us a date and, <laughs> and then we'll we'll have a recording and we can have a recording of all of us tasting the first sip of. Of uh, Linersley bubbly. Hopefully, all in the same room, not just not from South Africa.
1: Why don't we put a stop clock up?
0: Yeah, (laughs) no, yeah, no, because that went so well the first time. (laughs) Yeah, maybe Barry can feel that pressure then. Yeah, good idea. I'll get it done. So I think that's everything for our episode about spring. Um, There's uh, been lots to speak about, but hey, that's only one season of the year and there's uh, plenty of other things. So um, yeah, we'll do another episode soon. And if you've got any questions about what we've spoken about today or anything you'd like us to answer over the coming weeks, then please do get in touch. And uh, otherwise uh, you'll hear from us soon. Thanks a lot.